0: Rick Porcello is finally in the winning column as a New York Met after picking up his 150th career win.
1: We talked about the Mets flashing the leather, injury updates, and Jake performs a Mets rap for us?
0: That's right, and we are joined by former HQ trivia host, diehard Mets fan, and the quiz daddy himself, Scott
1: Rogowski. All that and more next on Amazing But True from the New York Post.
2: Queens to go mets
3: take the field so amazing amazing but true ours blue so amazing here's the pitch. new york folks
1: it's out
0: of here. we got gotcha.
1: welcome to amazing but true our new york mets podcast from the new york post
0: i'm Jake Brown alongside my co-host former mets pitcher nelson figueroa subscribe to the show on apple podcasts spotify
1: stitcher google wherever you get your podcasts from Rate us five stars and write a nice review if you're on Apple.
0: The quiz daddy, Scott Rogowski, former HQ trivia host and diehard Met fan will join us. Later in the show, but as we get into the show figgy, Monday show obviously getting a lot of feedback from me yelling, and uh, you know, I think people enjoyed it. I think people, you know, wanted to hear someone implode, and I took the fault, and you were very mellow in return and uh kept me someone in line following me up. Well,
1: I'm usually known as the voice of reason when it comes to Mets land, and I have to try and explain to people that when they you rant and rave and they hear shock jocks all over New York going nuts and they hear people People just having those same feelings. Trust me, I have those feelings as well. But I have to separate myself sometimes. And there are some numbers usually involved. Like, you know, when they say, oh, the Wilpons haven't spent money. They've spent money. They just haven't gotten back what they paid for. Uh, that's usually what happened. You know, we, if we have a, we, we should come up with a list in, on one of our shows of all the uh, stars that have played in Mets jerseys, but played 10 years after they were stars. You know what I mean? And that's usually what would happen with the Mets. You'd get the guys on the way out, Ricky Hendersons of the world, you know, Gary Sheffield. Yeah, he hit his 500th home run, but that was with the Mets and it wasn't like he's been here the whole time. So I think that was one of the things that I always kind of keep my head on straight. And I know that this year isn't so much of a marathon, but it's a long season and uh, you can really write a team off early on based on their performance. They just look rusty and out of whack, but they turned it around a little bit in these last few ones.
0: And you mentioned a milestone and a 500th homer. Rick Porcello had a milestone on Wednesday night with his 150th career win. It's kind of crazy to think that he's got 150 wins. That's like more than you would think out of him, but this was a Cy Young winner. He has been in the league for a while now. I don't know why. I didn't think he had that many. Not that that's like a ton, but he's 31 years old. There's a chance that he, Rick Porcello, I mean, a good chance will be a 200 plus game winner remember when he first started out, and he was with the Detroit and he went
1: over to Boston and Boston signed him right away to a, a extension, you know, four years, $80 million. And you're like, this guy's a $20 million pitcher. And that year that he went over there, he had a, a very high ERA, especially in the American League. Next year, he wins a Cy Young. So they kind of had that uh, ability to say, this guy's stuff. As long as he keeps going the way he's going, his movement on his pitches, his ability to use all his pitches in the zone, they kind of had that foresight to say that, hey, this guy is going to be able to to compete with some of the best pitchers in the league. I didn't see it at first. I I have to admit that. But then he wins a Cy Young, but then the next year, of course, he has a very high ERA yet again. So when you think about Rick Porcello, just think, you're saying 150 wins, that's not a lot. Jacob DeGrom only has 67 wins. So wins, I I hate saying this, wins for a starting pitcher mean bupkis. He had 14 wins last year, and he had the highest uh, ERA on the team, I believe, for any of the starters. So 14 wins. Jacob DeGrom had that. That's a lock on a Cy Young. He's done it back-to-back years with 10 wins you know right around 10 wins so this year I have already predicted Jacob Degrom's going to be right into the hunt for the Cy Young with only five wins because of the shortened season we're going to have a five win Cy Young award winner
0: yeah and Porcello got to the league figgy when he was just 20 years old he went from single A to the big leagues with Detroit and won 14 games in his first year back in 2009 you just forget it's also time flies man time flies when you're having fun I mean time really just does fly and it's crazy to think that he's been in a league for over a Decade, but he threw seven innings of one run ball, and you got to see Lugo shut the door for the final two, which I think Mets fans, despite a couple of times where he struggled, love that. No Diaz, no one else, just let Lugo go to those final two innings. What did you see from Porcello that worked so well against a pretty good Nationals lineup?
1: Listen, I saw that from Porcello after getting bombed that first game. And uh, let me explain. When I came back up, I think it was 2009, I came up, I had a streak of like 17 straight games, quality starts down. Down in the minor leagues, didn't give up more than three runs at any point. So they bring me back up and I'm like, all right, just continue doing what you've been doing. And I got bombed by the Diamondbacks. I got ambushed. I got sucker punched by Reynolds twice with the, some of the biggest bombs in City Field history. And I was shell-shocked after that game. For a guy who's from New York and rooted for the team as a kid, that first one, you have it thought in your mind that it's kind of going to go easy. It's like that heavyweight championship fight. You're going to come out, you know, you're going to spar the first round, you know, just show them what you got. No, the Braves came out so swinging and just never let up on him. And he didn't even get a chance to go to plan B. So it was nice to see him face the same team a week later. The disappointing part was I think he got pulled way too soon with only 79 pitches. He was cruising. He got pulled after JD Davis dropped the pop-up, a routine pop-up. He throws a ground ball next pitch and he's out of the inning and he's gone through six. So I think that to me was where they pulled him a little too soon. You start to question yourself thinking, okay, is this the kind of pitcher they want me to be? Uh, Jason Vargas, 75 pitches and pulled me out of a game. And he went out last night pitched a gem just right from the beginning, in command of all his pitches, able to... He's a guy that can take a game plan and follow suit and be able to make adjustments on the fly. That's one of the things that allow you to be a 10-year Major League vet and and able to be accounted on part of any rotation. So that's why I don't... I I thought it was a great signing because of uh, its even-odd-year thing with him, it seems. And he had a bad year last year, so I said, okay, this is a bounce-back year for him. But I think the pressure in the beginning of putting on a Met uniform got to him a little bit, and now he seemed to kind of be settling it.
0: And he's got a lot to prove in that one-year $10 million deal going into the offseason trying to get a big contract next year. And you had mentioned you're making the transitions easy now for me, Biggie. Uh, with the J.D. Davis dropping a ball in left field. He sure didn't drop a ball at third base, and we saw him struggle more so with his throws from third base playing that position last year, but obviously it's just one game, but that one play alone where he dove and made the throw from his knees, that was a perfect throw to get the guy in plenty of time was absolutely sensational, and if he stays like that, J.D. Davis has got to be your everyday third baseman. You got to think about McNeil. I'd rather have McNeil in left field than J.D. Davis. We've seen McNeil make some stellar plays in both left and right field we he's he has that ability to really play any position jd davis just like dom smith is very much a mystery in left field and you never know when that ball's in the air you never know if they're gonna catch it you always gotta like hold your breath so if they could think about when mcneil is potentially hopefully back from his i believe it was back tightness injury if he's back over the weekend maybe he shifts to left confortos and right and then jd davis becomes your everyday third baseman
1: yeah jd davis was known for his glove and his arm uh when he was with houston coming up with Houston. The guy has an absolute hose. He throws 96 from the mound and there were even some reports when they made the trade that he was one of those uh, new kind of weapons that that could pitch and possibly play third. The Mets never entertained it. Um, I'm sure, you know, he could light up the radar gun, but you don't want to risk injuring a player. His bat has really played up. Getting a chance to play every day would do that. When he was with the Astros, he was kind of just a fill-in because they're set for 10 years with the left side, you know, their infield in general besides first base. You got Altuve, Correa, and, and and Bregman. So he wasn't going to get many opportunities. Um, I, I don't think the Astros with all the playoff and world series uh, hunt that, that they do, that they're looking to have tryouts in left field and just throw anybody out there. That's a staple of the Mets organization is that if you can't play a position, we're going to try you out in left field and see what happens. He's been good out there. He's been adequate. Um, don't get me wrong, but I, I do think McNeil's a better athlete and uh, has shown a better ability to read balls off the bat with J.D. Davis, it's been the throws. And the hot corner is a reaction position. It's reactionary. That ball's hit. You don't have much time to think. You just pick it up and then get rid of it. It's when he gets the easy roller to him that he had, you know, how many steps is he taking? Is he, you know, releasing it on time? The throw to second base to start a double play. Those have been the things that have been concerning. If he can get rid of that, the little pauses in his game, and just become that reactionary player that just kind of lets it happen, I do like him at third base. I think that gives the Mets also more flexibility out there in the outfield.
0: Well, they're in an interesting position, Figgy, because Andres Jimenez. I know in past shows I have said Jimenez, and you have not corrected me. Uh, you're right. I, I, what I what I step back with is
1: everybody has a little flair when they say it, so I didn't know if you were doing it. Uh, listen, I listened to Mike Francesa for years. Has he pronounced one name right? I let it go. I let it slide. It, the accent is above the e, not above. I, I get the whole thing. It, everybody knows who you're talking about. Listen, Mets fans, pronunciation is different in Brooklyn than it is in Astoria. I
0: get it. Wow, taking a shot at Astoria. Your new favorite city. After trying their cake from whatever that that uh, bakery was called, cake, 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 um, cake. cake, cake, cake. Pick. So yes, Jimenez.
1: That's a that's a, he's been a really he's he's but Jimenez it's his back nice and his
0: glove too. Fig that's the thing. He's so multidimensional and his speed on the base pass, which a guy like Robinson Cano doesn't really give you. The whole debacle here is that you're kind of stuck with Cano throughout this contract. And if J.D. Davis is your third baseman and Rosario is your shortstop, where are you playing Jimenez?
1: Well, here's another thing, right? I think Jimenez can go and play second base, like Cano DH. You don't have that uh, guy that you have to DH in Cespedes anymore. So when we talked about Cespedes leaving and it might be the best thing for this team and it could be a rally cry, I said that hey, Jacob DeGrom is pitching the next day. That's enough rally cry. He he put them on a winning. uh, But then how do you get Dom
0: Smith at bats? That's the thing. Dom has been sitting and Dom sat the other night with a mind-blowing decision by Luis Rojas playing Tomas Nito and the double catcher thing with Nito and Ramos as DH. How are you going to get Dom in there if you're playing Rosar? It just seems like, I mean, listen, it's not a bad problem to have and we know injuries strike at any given moment, but Rojas is going to have some work to do trying to get guys playing time and make them happy.
1: Yeah, well, what they were trying to do with Cespedes was let him play four days and no day off. So you're playing 80% of the time. That's what one of the things that they've been trying to do over the last few years. Instead of running out those everyday starters, 161 of 162 games. Hey, you know what? You're an everyday starter. You're going to play 80, 85% of the time so that you're a little bit fresher. You you have those days off. With Cespedes, if he got hot, if he was hitting the tar out of the ball, they were going to let him stay in the Lineup, but he wasn't doing that. So he was almost he was more at fault than anybody else about his his incentives or not reaching his incentives. He wasn't playing very well. So when it comes to now, what are you going to be able to do? You can manage these guys and have a way of using them in in different in different modes and use Dom Smith and a start over Pete. Let Pete DH and let Dom play first base. Whatever you want to do, you're gonna know, as we see, is not that he's fragile, but the guy's been tearing the cover off the ball himself and now. All of a sudden he comes out, slides at home, a little groin tightness. He He's that kind of player where you're going to have to monitor his daily uh, playing time. So I think there's going to be a way and it's going to be easier to do without having that superstar who stands there in front of you and says, I have to be in the lineup every day or else. There's no more or else's. I think what they're going to do is they're going to mix and match. They're going to try and take advantage of some matchups. And at the end of the day, you have a guy in Dom Smith who's comfortable already in that role of pinch hitting. And it's early in his career to just be OK with pinch hitting but he's good at it. He takes pride in doing it, and he's been very good at it over the last two years.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's weird pinch hitting of the DH rule and everything. It's just a bizarre world that we're in that he's not going to get many of those opportunities. So Dom's been in a tough spot his whole career, kind of. And first off, he wasn't taking advantage early on with his bat. Now his bat has come around. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, and it's weird we're talking about good problems to have, yet the Mets are here 5-8. and eight. Ryan Cordell had a start the other night. Billy Hamilton's playing. Nice to see him get his 300th career steal he's a guy especially when it gets to those potential 10th innings where you put him on second base and it's almost an automatic run you have him steal third and then you hit a fly ball not automatic with the mets because of their inability to get runners from third home but that is a situation where he is perfect and that's probably what factored into bringing him in to this team because he's going to be mr extra inning he should be on in any chance when you need him throw him out there at second for whoever's up first so billy hamilton's getting that kind of Melky cabrero what we thought role and coming in early with these injuries but again let's pray that McNeil and Rosario are back because the Mets here have to take advantage against the Marlins figgy I know the Marlins right now are first and we could laugh and say wow how the hell are the COVID filled Marlins at first but they are playing the Orioles who are basically a semi-pro team they're five and one coming into this game Thursday against the Orioles but take care of business against the Marlins this weekend and just like that the Mets could be back 500 when we're talking again on Monday
1: uh, absolutely and I think that's what you want they have to play better at home they haven't played well at home over the last two seasons for some reason. And I'm not really sure what that is. Um, You have to be able to win two out of three games at home. That's usually the tone that you want to set to have a, a successful season. You know They're at minus 15 in their run differential. And that's what everybody keeps bringing up. But people forget that they lost 14 to one. That's 13 runs in one game. So that minus 15 hasn't been a lot. They've played some close games. And how many times have we already said, and I think what led to your rant was how many missed opportunities, how many times bases loaded with the... The middle of the lineup coming up and they no one comes through in the clutch. When you look across town and you're looking at the Bronx, the Yankees, they're tearing the cover off the ball, right? They're leading all of baseball in home runs, 23 home runs out of 88 hits on the season. So a quarter, more than a quarter of their hits are home runs. That's what they do in the Bronx. That's the style of baseball. In contrast, the Mets have 117 hits, 117 hits. That's surprising to you and me, right? Because it's 117 hits that haven't happened with a man on third base and less than two outs. That's the problem with what the Mets are doing now. So I think they really just have to really focus on that kind of situational type hitting. They have hitters that can put the bat on the ball. They have the guys that can get those runs in. No more can they be swinging for the fences. They have only 12 home runs on the season. This is not a mashing lineup. You lost Cespedes, who was a swing all or nothing kind of guy, and that's what he proved to be on his way out the door. I need this team to put the ball in play more when it counts and take advantage of when you know a pitcher is on. His heels two and zero oh, three and one and not swing at pitches outside the zone and we saw that from Pete Alonso it's kind of gotten him on the right track that he had three walks in a row that next game I think it was in Atlanta where most guys are trying to swing their way out of a of a slump Pete Alonso was taking some pitches and finally got to see something hit that ball to right field played a little small ball we need to see more of that
0: yeah and Pete Alonso has got to get you know, as we say to his batting weight he's got to get to his weight he's still under two hundred under that Mendoza line so he's got to start hitting and. Uh, Uh, Listen, NL East is up for grabs. Plain and simple, NL East is up for grabs, and at least two teams make it, and there's a good chance that three will make it. So plenty of time, and while we, you know, I yelled Monday, I'm positive, you know, I'm... I'm not giving up on the season, bro. I was just in a a frustration. So, and as we turn it around for you, I have a special treat. And for our listeners, before we, Joel Sherman debuts Sherman's hot corner. And before we chat with Scott Rogowski, I have what I think is a fire Mets rap that I put together. And uh, while my flow might be goofy and I might be the goofy Jewish white guy, I have bars. And I'm about to present you these bars.
1: I I tell you, uh, little Dickie is, is, uh, you. You've got a high bar set by Little Dicky, so let's see what you got.
0: All right, this beat was produced and made by my roommate, my new roommate, and my new apartment, Trevor, A.K.A. Trevbot10, is where you can find him on Instagram. He made the beat. Shout out, Trevor! And here we go. Here's the uh, here's the Mets rap from Jake Brown, A.K.A. J Swizzy. Cespedes, he left us in the dust Left the team full of rust That's not just, 110 milli flush Yet another Mets bust Last Emoji Ces tweeted said Hush, That's okay, we got Diamond JD, amazing but true, Jake and Fig dynamic duo like DeGrom and Lugo, smelling like a boss, you can call me Hugo, Louis Rojas, Andres Jimenez, Conforto so hot you do whatever he says, get Steve Cohen's rich ass to Queens, when the Mets win like 86, it'll be a dream, thank the lord we got Polar Bear Pete, Patentis out here, he bringing the heat. Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Flying Squirrels. Jake's got a gym doing dumbbell curls. COVID out here trying to take baseball away. Put your mask on. Nemo points up to pray. Ramos behind the dish. Buffalo, Bison. Peterson knocks you out. Young Mike Tyson finally got a win. Rick Porcello from the other side. Adele says, hello. It's me, JB, at the New York Post. Number one Mets podcast. Let's have a toast.
1: Damn, son. Where'd you find this? <laughs> that was that was way better than I was expecting. Way better. Definitely, we able to get the names rhyming with the other. Uh, that was good. That was good. I gotta give you some credit for that.
0: Everyone that always better. says that to me. They are like that's better than what I expect. They expect terrible.
1: And no, 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 not terrible. Because anybody who has you know the the audacity to come out and say, hey, it's rap time. Let me let me flow. You better be ready. There's no way you're gonna show up and uh, be able to be in a cipher and not hold your own.
0: Well, I think you should like most the part where I said Louis. Has Andres Jimenez. The extra yeah, you pronounced accent. it perfect. <laughs> I, I know you did your research
1: right there. You did your research. Well, you I try to make it I all know.
0: sexy, like Ozuna. So uh, <laughs> I, I did my part on that. So,
1: uh, oh, man. Listen, amazing but true talent show. So far, round one goes to you. Uh, we'll see what happens in the future.
0: All right. So let's transition over now to New York Post baseball insider Joel Sherman as he debuts Sherman's Hot Corner.
3: Here's a question all Mets fans should be asking right now. Can we finish second? Sure, no fan base wants to be chanting we're number for two. But remember, with expanded playoffs this year, eight teams in each league are making the playoffs, and the top two teams in each division are guaranteed entry. So... All you got to do is finish in the top two, and as opposed to other years, being the quote-unquote road team isn't probably going to be much of a detriment. There's unlikely to be fans. There might even be neutral sides. So can the Mets be the silver medalist in the NL East? Look, the division is not made up of the 1927 Yankees. It's not even made up of the 2020 Yankees. There's a lot of flawed teams in here. It isn't only the Mets who are dealing, say, with Edwin Diaz's inadequacy and the absence of Noah Syndergaard and a sophomore slump for Pete Alonso. That's my option. Topic. There's a lot of problems in this division, so why don't we just do a little deep dive and why don't we start with the team on top? That would be your Miami Marlins? Yep, they spent eight days in quarantine and came out and got the greatest gift even a team that had been in quarantine could get in 2020. They played the semi-pro Orioles first out of it and they started winning some games. And they're right now on the no one believed in us choo-choo train and you wanna stop that. So you know what happens? A series this weekend at City Field is then pretty important. It's a 3 game where the Marlins are coming and the Mets expected to be able to fight with the other teams in the division. They weren't expecting the Marlins, and they could do something to start giving them some reality. But remember, this is a 60-game season. The Marlins do have better young talent than they've had in recent years, so it's going to be up to the Mets and the other teams to make it another year for the Marlins. If they're able to do that, then let's remember, the Atlanta Braves are the team that has won the NL East the last two years. But as Mets fans know, because they were probably watching the game, they've already lost their most indispensable player. Yeah, Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman are great players, but they have each other in a pretty deep lineup. Mike Soroka, the ace, went down with a torn Achilles tendon against the Mets. That leaves Max Fried and what? They lost Felix Hernandez to opting out in spring training, 2-0. They lost Cole Hamels so far to a shoulder injury. Maybe he comes back in September. Maybe he doesn't. Mike Fultonage, one of their key pitchers from last year, lost a lot of weight in his fastball. With it, he was designated for assignment and then sent to the minor leagues. Maybe he comes back. Right now, they have some talented guys: the to Kyle Wright's, but those guys have a lot of trouble finding the strike zone. Yep, they're going to have to rely on that strong lineup, albeit one without Ozzy Aldis right now, who's out with a bruised wrist, and a bullpen they did address heavily in the off season. You know, the brave rotation problems you could have seen coming. You know who maybe it was a little tougher to see coming? That would be the Washington Nationals, the defending champions, the team that won the title because of those starting pitches. But so far, Steven Strasburg has yet to throw a pitch in this season due to a nerve injury in his wrist. Yep, he's getting close. Closer to are coming back, but he hasn't thrown a pitch yet. And again, any Met fan who was watching on Wednesday knows Max Scherzer only lasted an inning and left with what he described as a minor hamstring issue. Hey, if they get those two guys back and you add them to Patrick Corbin and Annabelle Sanchez, then you know you have a championship tested rotation. But the lineup is down from last year. There's no Anthony Rendon and Ryan Zimmerman opted out. So you've got Soto, Juan Soto, and Savvy. a lot of veterans who probably have seen their best day. The Miguel Castro's, Adam Eaton's, Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames. Is that going to be enough? Who knows? I will say one thing: that bullpen that undermined the Nationals so much last year, even on the way to a championship, has a 1.53 ERA so far. That's unexpected. Now we expected some bad bullpen from the Philadelphia Phillies, but not this bad. After the doubleheader on Wednesday against the Yankees, they have a 9.18 ERA. That's two runs worse than any other team in the major league. Anybody who watched Joe Girardi in New York knows he's a terrific manipulator of a bullpen. But those bullpens almost always had strong, great talent. This Phillies bullpen doesn't. In the first three games against the Yankees, great news. The starters were terrific. You had Jake Arrieta, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola. They held hitters to a 209 average. You know what the Yankees were against their bullpen? They were 10 for 15. That's a 667 batting average. That's the best kid in your little group. Now, coming off their own Marlins-created shutdown, in which they also had a quarantine, the Phillies have to play 57 games in 56 days if they're to complete a 667 game schedule. It means they're going to be in the bullpen a lot. And you know what? Mariano Rivera ain't walking through that door for Joe Girardi, and so I wonder how he handles it. So while Mets fans might rightfully moan about Diaz or worry about Dylan Batanzas being able to find this best stuff or I hope that Seth Lugo didn't leave anything last year, those three guys plus Jaris and Justin Wilson, they're talented and they have a history of success. The Mets have a deeper lineup than probably any team in the division other than the Braves. Even with Syngergaard out and Walker Stroh. And still healing from his own calf injury, the Braves' rotation issues are so much worse than the Mets. Add it all up, throwing in a crazy season. Can the Mets be second to none? This has been Joel
0: Sherman with The Hot Corn. And now we welcome to the show a special guest. I saw him before COVID. Um, I saw him when I worked at MLB Network, and Figgy also knows him as well. He, you might have remembered him on the HQ Trivia Show, which really just took the world by storm. It was like, if you didn't have HQ, were you even like a human being at the time? He is the Quiz Daddy himself. It is Scott Rogowski joining Amazing but True right now. Scott, welcome to the show, man. How are you?
2: AKA Seth HQ Go a.k.a. Quizdrubal Cabrera, a.k.a. Jason Quizringhouse, at your service. What's up, on man? <laughs> do,
0: do you have a list of players and you just come up with, what is it, alliterations? I don't even know the word for it. or How does it work?
2: Rogowskiism, I don't know what they are. I don't know. They're, they're just, it's what I did to keep myself from getting bored, from doing that show twice a day, every day, for what seemed like my entire life. Was, uh <laughs> was about a year and a half. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you did a lot of it on HQ, and uh, I like when you do the baseball player references, and you're also a big, like, obscure baseball and sports in general jersey guy where you could follow Quiz Daddy's Closet on Instagram and uh, you know you, my friend Luke gets your stuff you have tell us about what's going on because you have like jerseys from like Mark Brunel to like Adam Archuleta.
2: Oh yeah, I got football basketball, baseball. I've, I've got, well, I, I like to think it's probably one of the finest collections of vintage clothing in the tri city area. I don't know how many other people have 3,000 4,000 items, hats, jerseys shirts, sweatshirts, jackets. It's pretty bonkers. It's a result of 20 years of four and, and collecting, thrift shopping, estate sale finding, you know, finding the deals here and there. And I've just built up this collection. And now it's overflowing my, uh, my, my storage unit, which is my parents' basement. And they want it out of there. We all want it to go. I want to raise some money for some well deserving charity. So that's what I've been doing for the past year plus, actually. I started an Instagram account, Quiz Daddy's Closet, and I've been selling off the collection slowly but surely. I have a limited edition pop up happening, a secret pop up shop happening in Chelsea right now, today through Sunday, August 9th. So if you are in the New York area and you want to stop by, it's by appointment only. Covid compliance. Follow me at Quiz Daddy's Closet on Instagram. DM me and book your spot. They are filling up, but yeah, come by check out these jerseys. Archuleta is the least of it, man. You know, <laughs> I've, got, I've got Byron Leftwich over here. I've got I've got Jason belts or Colts. He's staking. got, a, like, he's got a
1: right-handed Byron Leftwich jersey. It's, it's rare. It's rare to have. Oh,
2: yeah. And and, and not being sold right now, I'm, I have my personal collection, which I'm keeping for myself, but that's where I got my John Mayne jerseys, my last in millage. Got Sid Finch, a very famous sports Sports Illustrated hoax, Sid Finch, because I don't know if you guys know this, in 2015, the Brooklyn Cyclones had a Sid Finch day. And I actually got, I went, I bought my tickets. I got a Sid Finch jersey. I got to meet the actor who portrayed Sid Finch in the, in the pictorial spread in Sports Illustrated. They gave out a bobblehead, which is one of my prize selections of Sid Finch without his boot on with the French horn next to him, backward hat, winding up. This bench is probably one of my favorite parts of Mets history, Mets lore.
1: That's good old days right there. That shows you what kind of a fan Mr. Rogowski is. Scott is a generally unbelievable human being as well. He works with me with Team Perry and we raised money for Perry Finkelstein. We went down to Miami last year and ran. I say ran. He ran and ran like the wind at the Miami Marathon. Did the half marathon. How long did it take you again?
2: I did that I think 2:21, I believe, was my time, which was my first half marathon. I'm pretty proud of it, and I'm, I'm now I'm just thankful I didn't get COVID while I was down there because uh, the Marlins <laughs> haven't been so lucky. But but uh, that was yeah, that was one of the, the highlights of, of my 2020, the very few highlights of this year. And Team Perry is such a fantastic organization. Nelly you know, you raised so much money for them. And because of my clothing sales last year, I raised 15000 just for them selling off my vintage clothing. So that's, yeah, there's good money in this stuff and, and there's more to be made. So yeah, check that out and support Team Lifeline, Team Charity.
1: Absolutely guys. And and another thing about Mr. Rogowski, his baseball knowledge, the depth that he has of baseball knowledge. Uh, I got a chance to do uh, Zone last year, the changeup show several times. And we always had some trivia moments. They whip out some old baseball cards and it was just some random faces to most fans no no this guy had backstories on every single player and and the best part was is I would let him in a little bit on some of the secrets of some of the players with some of the obscure names of when I played with them and so he's just a fountain of knowledge love talking baseball with this guy we'll talk baseball with him 24 hours a day if I could talking about this year's team what do you think so far
2: we're talking about district Pittsfield Mets, right? <laughs> you know,
1: if, if only it was so close to home, <laughs> Pittsfield, Massachusetts, where he said to me that was one of the one bad things, biggest regrets about my career is I didn't get a chance to play in Pittsfield. I bypassed Pittsfield, and uh, it's uh, it was low A ball for the Mets back then.
2: Well, Kona Park, where I had my real baseball uh, awakening. My, you know, I used to go to camp up near there, saw my first minor league games at Wacona Park, Pittsfield Mets, where I think I saw a young uh, Keith Bell. But uh anyway. I mean, getting back to today today's game. Yeah, look, the Mets are on a win streak now, right? They've got they've got one. Does that count? <laughs> Maybe Davis. It was, it was a that, heavyweight not. championship fight. Yes, it counts. How about that diving uh, play that Davis made? Though? That was. I mean, if we can really, I, I want to be positive and optimistic, like Nelly is. You know, that was a hell of a play, and Porcello pitched decently. And look, I coming into so the season before COVID, I thought you know we were looking good. You know, before Syndergaard went down, I was feeling good about it. And then, uh of course, the pandemic happens. Of course. The entire season gets thrown off, and I, 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 you went off last week, Jake, on your rant, and I appreciate that, but I'm going to provide the comedians' perspective the reason why I like this team is because of all the things you mentioned. Because of all the mishaps and the terrible signings and the injuries and the dildos in the locker room. I mean, it's funny to me. It's just pure comedy, and and that's why I support this team. I, if you took your rant and put a laugh track on it and, and you were standing in front of a brick wall with a microphone, you could be doing stand-up, my friend. I mean, that's, you know, that's what this team is. The
1: rally dildo has a longer streak than the Mets do right now. That's the problem right now. It's made our show three weeks in a row.
0: Yeah, I mean, this show has to have a mention of a dildo and thank you for listening to the rain it, listen I'm positive about that today is a positive show the Mets won the defense was great Rick Porcello got 150th win his first win as a Met there are just times where you just have to let out steam because of the frustration that boil up from that entire weekend and you know I want to be positive and I'm still positive I don't think this season is over listen there's so many games left this team has Stroman coming back in the next week or two uh they got guys coming back McNeil and you know hopefully Rosie are back this weekend so you know there's there's t- tons of positives but you know sometimes you just gotta laugh at it because it is a comedy show at times I mean from the dildos to everything I mean you could do your own you know I don't even know what shows are going on in the city right now socially distanced comedy shows which is actually how your career all kind of started before HQ. Isn't that funny Uh,
2: yeah I was doing I mean you know, HQ is you, you sort of a socially distant show. I was there alone in the, in the studio remotely. But no, before that, I was doing stand-up and talk shows. I had a sports talk show called 12 Angry Mascots for, for about three years in the city. And uh, nice. I love performing live. I love getting out there. But I also love going to baseball games live. And that's what really killed me this year. You know, watching these games with the empty stands and the fake. How do you feel about that fake crowd noise, typing that in? Like some kind of, you know, applaud tra- track like a laugh track on a sitcom. I'm I, think
1: you, I think what you need to do is have it authentic, right? And I told Jake this from the beginning. I think it needs booze. I think it needs gasps. I need. I think it needs the whole gambit. Like, whoever's on this thing, it can't just be like fake, you know, a, just applause all the time no matter what. I, I need guys to feel the, those booze. I need guys to realize, hey, you didn't make that play. You're going to get booed. This is New York, you
2: know? Yeah, or the guys who, who are sitting close to the hot mics. Near the you know near home plate, you can catch catch some of their conversation sometimes. Or the guy who scream,s out "Baba Booey, Baba Booey!" <laughs> you get the you get the randos and the freaks out there. Yeah, I I that that's what's sorely lacking. And I mean, those cardboard cutouts. How's that work? Are people paying to get their faces printed on those things? What, what's 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 going on with those cardboard cutouts?
0: Yeah, it's like eighty six dollars, I think it is, for the thirty games or whatever, and it goes to charity, or they say it does, and they raise you know it was like half a million dollars plus for those cardboard cutouts. Scott Rogowski is joining us here on Amazing But True. Make sure you follow. Him on Twitter at Scott Rogowski. Did you see HQ taking off like it did? Because you think of just like a trivia, blah blah blah, this little app, and then a week later, millions of people are playing at one time. Did you know that was going to happen?
2: Yeah, because I'm Nostradamus. No, of course not. <laughs> it, 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 this is, it was a total total fluke. Caught everybody by surprise. It caught our entire team, the engineers, by surprise. They weren't prepared for it. You know, we, we had we had certain limitations to our technology at the time when we started. I mean, they 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 didn't prepare. For overnight success, so they didn't. The infrastructure wasn't there to handle a hundred thousand users. They could even handle twenty thousand users. We'd hit a certain limit, and the whole thing would break, and it would crash, and we'd have to restart. Add to that limit bump it up a little bit but uh it was so crazy man that that was yeah i don't think i'll ever experience anything like that again that that kind of wild roller coaster type of ride uh, but like matt harvey like when he went the way he started hot all the good things have to come to an end
1: <laughs> ouch well played well played scott if you could have one dream job from here on out what would it be
2: i think it'd be hosting a next podcast would Look be at you. Too I bad see you work. i see you working you, you guys muscled your way into this and left me out, out to dry yeah maybe next year I, it's always next year. Maybe next year. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm talking about my business clothing. I'm obsessed with this stuff. I love it so much. I love now selling it and being sort of a small business owner. I actually had a pop up on Bleecker Street last fall. A friend of mine who I played baseball with, his dad had a car shop down there that was empty for a couple of years. He let me go in there on the weekends, set up my shop. I was there, you know, rolling up the metal, the the, the, the metal guard and re- lowering it at night, raising it up, and kind of showing up in the morning and leaving at night. I felt like a real, you know, retailer, mom and pop type shop kind of thing. And it was such a thrill to have people come in, strangers off the street. They find a shirt they love. I get, I make sure they walk out with it, raising money at the same time. It was like a win, win, win. And if I could afford rent on a, on a, on a retail space in New York, I would be running my own little vintage boutique somewhere. That's the dream.
0: What else are you up to these days during COVID times? I know you're doing the pop-up shop, but what else is going on with you?
2: Well, you know, I'm just working on things, developing things. Unfortunately the uh the change up show I was doing for Design is not coming back, so uh the shortened season, you know, another casualty of the pandemic, I guess you could say. But uh I'm not dwelling on that. I'm I'm you know looking looking ahead to next year and uh got some things cooking, some uh some exciting projects in the works that I can't divulge too much right now, but I will say stay tuned, keep your eyes on the space and uh there may be a return to the phone at some point. That's all I said.
1: Scott, uh, easy access to see this man and hear this man and is, is, is genius. I, I, I love the idea of it. I'm, I'm in no matter what it is because I'm behind you, brother. I, I want to know another thing. Favorite Met moment. Let's get back to the Mets. Favorite Met moment for you. And don't give me the 86 World Series because you were two years old, so I don't want to hear it. Don't be like Yankee fans and go, we have 27 rings. When twenty of them happened before they were even an inkling in their parents' eyes. So, what's your favorite Mets moment?
2: Well, I'll give you—I'll give you two. Uh, one, you know, watching in person at the stadium, and one uh, as a spectator from home watching on TV. That one would be Andy's catch, and no I said, "What a catch! What a play! Not only the catch, the wherewithal to throw it, get <laughs> the double play." And in that moment, when you're watching that game, and of course you're watching the whole game, you're watching the whole series. There's so much hinged on that moment, and you really felt so hopeful. As, as a fan in that moment, And he thought, I, I was going into the whole thing. This is 20 years since '86. This is destiny. This is, you know, we're meant to get back to the series and we're going to win this game. And then after the catch, it was to me, it was like, this is this, 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 it. it that's, that's a divine moment. Of course, <laughs> some things in life just don't, don't work out the way you, you envision them. But uh, still, you can't discount that catch. And then in person, I had the absolute privilege and luck. Or to attend Johan Santana's no hitter, and nothing could top that—the first no hitter in Mets history. Again, total fluke. The fact that I was there, you know, I was—I was—I was actually wanted to go to the uh, the Phillies series, and that was sold out. So, ah, I'll take the Cardinals, whatever. Turned out to be the greatest moment I've ever experienced in a ballpark because the energy in that place was unlike anything I've ever felt. The whole stadium was shaking when he got the final out.
0: Yeah, I I was there as well with Luke, who messaged you about the jerseys. We went, and we were sitting in the... So many people didn't want to go. There was a chance of storms that night, I remember, and it was Carlos Beltran's return. I'm like, how do you not go to this game? And then we were sitting in the Pepsi porch, which before was the Coke corner, or now it's the Coke corner. But uh, yeah, we were sitting in the Pepsi porch, and there was all these like kids, camp kids, who had no idea what's going on. And then you have me and Luke there screaming like schoolgirls with a bunch of school kids and schoolgirls who had zero idea that a no hitter was happening and they're pointing and laughing at our fat asses as we're like crying. And uh Mike Baxter makes the catch and we're literally crying and they're Yeah they I don't think when the game ended they knew what happened. They're just like, oh cool the Mets won. They didn't realize that the history that took place and all the years we were watching and I was at one game the Bobby Jones had a one hitter one game against the Red Sox and the only hit was like a Bunt single or an infield single. John Maine, your your boy, your Shirsey man, John Maine uh had a one hitter so it, the trials and tribulations of all the one hitters, Scott, uh, accumulated to that moment.
2: The one hitter watch for Mets fans. I mean, it'd, it'd be like breaking news if any pitcher against the sixth inning with a no hitter, it, it'd be just like, uh, the radio, you know, you know, Bob Murphy would start going nuts, Harry Rose, you know, every, everyone had to dial in and tune in, find the game because you could be witnessing the moment. And of course, it never happened until it happened so July 1st, 2012. Right?
0: It was a glorious night indeed. Well, Scott, obviously, we'll have you back on at some point. I think, uh, we'll stay positive. I'll try not to yell anymore. Uh, um, and, and and hopefully they uh, go past a one-game win streak here.
2: Stay positive, but COVID negative. Yeah,
0: exactly. There you go. Uh, Scott Rogowski, check the Quiz Daddy's Closet at Quiz Daddy's Closet on Instagram. Go to those pop-up shops. I haven't been, been to the city since March, but maybe I'll go in with Luke and make an appearance and pick up a few things. So
2: I've got sanitizer. I've got social distance You know, appointments here. you will be the only one in there. I'll take care of you.
0: All right, love it. Scott, appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, fellas. And that's a wrap for episode 16, the Doc Gooden episode of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Speaking of raps, shout out to One Take Jake for
1: producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you use Apple, please rate us five stars and write a nice review.
0: That's right. That took one take that wrap because I got bars. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown, a.k.a. J. Swissy. We'll be back Monday as we recap the Mets three-game series against the Marlins. Beat the Marlins. Please do it. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Stay safe.